It started with a delayed flight home from Minneapolis to Detroit. I was in Minneapolis for work, where I always try to visit the Mary Tyler Moore statue, which is right on the Nicolette Mall at 7th Street. This time, probably because it was sub-zero, she was wearing some kind of macrame blanket schmata, and it looked like Rhoda had dressed her. Anyway, I finished my meetings, and I was ready for a really long night of two flights and a long car ride home to our home in the Hudson Valley. This is one of those prices you pay for living in rural places. You lack the convenience of non-stops everywhere. There's no direct flight uh, to Albany from MSP, though I swear there was six months ago. I tweeted about it to ask Delta, but they insist there hasn't been one ever. Anyway, the delay to Detroit meant I'd miss the 9 p.m. connection to Albany, which means I'd get stuck there. My colleague Sinjin suggested I take the flight with him back to New York City, where I no longer had an apartment, but I could get a hotel and a train home in the morning. I keep a list of possible hotels, including the one Brian and I stay at every Tuesday night. I also have that Hotel Tonight app, but I've actually never used it. So after switching my flight, fortunately for no fee, I got a really good last minute rate at that hotel. As you all know from earlier episodes, I keep an extra bag, orange, near practically everything, so I'd be fine. I also carry an extra change of clothes in my bap sack, which I guess eliminates the need for the extra bag. It may seem like an unnecessary layer of crazy, but like that song from The Greatest Show on Earth, this is me. In the morning, I headed to Penn Station to take the 1020, but I learned from the Empire regulars that a train had broken down north of the city. Trains were going to be delayed for hours until they could clear it. Ugh. The Amtrak line was super long on a Friday, with people going as far as Niagara Falls. It was Valentine's Day. How romantic. The loudspeaker crackled that our train was indefinitely delayed. I hate that word. It means, like, they just don't know. They can't say one hour or ten hours. They have to say something useless, like, indefinitely. And they just keep saying it. I hope this isn't TMI, but I don't have the greatest stomach. And if you have to go to the bathroom in Penn Station, well, no one wants to do that. They renovated them last year, but you probably can't tell. In dire situations, I have a plan for this. This is a good tip. Hotels. Hotels have clean bathrooms. And if you're lucky, they have a conference center with nothing in session. You could always look like you're looking for someone. Say you're meeting someone for a drink, and you're early. And, oh, by the way, where's the bathroom? Or if you spend as much time in hotels as I do, you can probably just feel your way to it. So I headed out of the station with my overnight bag and crossed the street to Pennsylvania Hotel, that's what it's called, which the second I walked in, I completely regretted. Outdated, cheap furniture, bus tours, bad signage. This is what gives New York bad PR. But I was desperate. So I followed the signs downstairs to the restrooms only to hit a snag I'd never seen before. A locked bathroom with a slot for your room key. Not good. A bit flustered, I went back up, exited, and went a block further to a nicer hotel, which I vaguely remember being part of a moderately not horrible hotel chain. Walking in, this was a little better. Nicer finishings, liquor crowd. Again, I hunted around for the restroom, and I worked on my story of stopped. Downstairs, though, here too was the restroom, and again, another locked door for a room key. I was furious. This doesn't happen at the W Union Square, and it's certainly not at the hundred of hotels I've stayed at in Minneapolis. Even the Radisson Blue is good in a pinch. Time was not on my side, so I looked around and found a security guard. Hello, sir. I just checked out of the hotel, and I was going to the bathroom, but it's locked. Do I have to, wait for this, do I have to check back in to use the bathroom? Making it sound as ridiculous as it was. It's locked, he said, surprised, and oh no, that's silly. I'll let you in. Oh, thank you, sir, I said, and together we amicably walked to the bathroom, and he used it as an opportunity as well. I'm so glad I could help. 
Back at the station, the train was still delayed, and no information still, indefinitely. Determined to get home for Shabbat dinner, I went to a plan B. I'd heard about a bus, and now in fighting shape, I figured I didn't have much to lose at this point. So I headed to Port Authority and bought a $29 ticket to Kingston and got on the bus, headed mostly towards home, give or take 20 minutes. There was no river view like the train and the crowd was, well, bus people, but you know, what can you do? But it was comfortable, it was on time, and I only got one shush when I tried to do a work call. Honestly, I was proud of myself and coping with the shifts. It was all going to work out, and you can make fun of the bus all you want, but I have to tell you, the Wi-Fi is better. I'm Matt Zucker, and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Season 3, Episode 32. If you're going to live 100 miles from New York City or any big city, and there are no direct flights to where you have to go week after week, you really need a plan B for a lot of things. But first, some great news to share. First, Courtney Harding interviewed me and on February 10th gave City It a brilliant write-up on the Spotify Podcasters blog, focusing on our role in hyper-local podcasting. Check it out. In the Apple Podcast Store, listener Peony Planter also gave City It a great review, commenting on some of the improvements in the last few episodes. Thanks for noticing. And through our Facebook page, City It Life, I've gotten several fan reach-outs, which I'm really excited about. So please keep doing the same. Rate City in the Apple Podcast Store. Send a note via Facebook, Instagram, or email. And don't forget this really amazing thing I always forget to tell people. You can easily send a voice message to me at anchor.fm slash That's anchor.fm slash Right next to the link to play on Spotify, there's a button to send a message from the website, directly from the website. Our friend Liz and nephew Sam both have used it. Ask me a question. Maybe I can use it and answer it directly in a future episode. I might even send you a present. Okay, back to the need of a plan B in the country. Let's talk first about the small things you need a plan for. The first are weather-related, as well as some obvious basics. First, there's transportation plan B. How will you get from the city to the country, or the country to the airport? I've been building up a network of trains, Ubers, Lyfts, car services, taxis, and timetables. I'd like to take this up a notch and build in carpooling, since there are certainly others in the same situation. Nothing is 100% foolproof or reliable, though. The best you can do is have an attitude towards flexibility, and try to proactively not to travel on Fridays or Mondays or when it's important. The second is your stuff plan B. So you know I keep a bag in my drawer, one at the hotel, and one at my mom's in New Jersey. But I also carry one in my backpack. An entire drugstore, extra change of clothes, gluten-free snacks, cords, adapters, a book, and of course, an extra phone, iPad, ba- you know, battery. It's heavy. The third plan B is for sleeping. A fair number of people have offered stay overnights, although few except my mom, sister-in-law, and Sinjin have extra bedrooms. For convenience sake, I keep a short list of hotels, including our regular, and a few others I try out without Brian when I can, which is a fun game, and I don't mind the occasional mistake. As he said to me the other day when I checked into the Four Seasons by Sheridan Long Island City, he said, you should feel free to make yourself as uncomfortable as you like when I'm not there. Plan B is also for services and support. We have a generator for when electric is down, portable heaters to supplement our crummy HVAC, and two different plumbers, which we like, which is crucial in a pinch. What we don't have is a backup if our regular buddy can't plow, and even after five years, I have yet to find two to three decent handymen to help me do all the little stuff I can't do myself because I'm pathetic. Plan B is also coverage for Nora. 
We have two places we take her when we're out of town and one dog sitter we can use as well. The other thing about country living is that shopping is in this, has, doesn't have the same kind of consistency. For example, we have two to three farm stores and farm stands that we really, really like, and their hours are all different, so you need a couple. Restaurants, too, are important, since there are only a handful of good ones, so we rotate among them. But you kind of also have to go to them consistently, because there's nothing quite like being a regular. But Plan B up here isn't just about the basics. I'll talk more broadly about life and careers after this. The other way to think about Plan B is for how you spend your time and earn your life up here. While many like me work at a job based in the city, others have tried to be here full-time and work here full-time. What I've seen so far is that many people having multiple jobs, whether it's real estate and freelancing, being an artist and a retailer, or working in healthcare and driving for Uber. Farmers also seek variety. I know one who's expanding from fruit into vegetables, and others who do a mix of growing and selling. You can see farmers and winemakers getting into the hospitality business, with more farm stays popping up. Plan B is also for your downtime. Lunches, dinners, and meetups get canceled. Events that look great when you first bought tickets can become skippable. Our day plan B is usually to take a hike with a dog somewhere or visit a local bookstore. And our evening plan B is to watch a movie on one of the 500 streaming services we subscribe to. I keep a list of things I want to watch to speed the decision. The author of Simple Abundance, Sarah Ben Brethnack, wrote, Success in life isn't how well we execute plan A. It's how well we cope with plan B. Living in the country means being adaptable, but also thinking ahead. Time is slower up here, so you can always change your mind. As prepared as I try to be, I do it all the time. Thanks for listening to City Ed. I'm Matt Zucker, back at home in the beautiful Hudson Valley. It's 50 degrees today and sunny. I'm going to take Nora for a hike in the orchard, and then, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Remember to rate us in the Apple Store and visit anchor.fm slash to send a fabulous voice message with your question. And of course, come visit. <laughs>